Hi, this is Lynn from Yoga Story, and welcome today to today's podcast on body image and yoga. Well, like I said, this is Lynn from Yoga Story, and I'm joined today with two of the best people in the whole world, and that is Julie, our manager here at the studio, and Beth, our assistant manager. Welcome, guys. Say hello. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So today we're talking about body image and yoga, and this is a very important topic and one that a lot of um, predominant yoga celebrities. Um, in social media are beginning to bring to light. And I'm really, really glad because there's a lot of misinformation and misrepresentation in marketing, advertising, and social media still. Uh, So we're going to start off just telling uh, a brief uh, introduction of our own fitness journey. So being specific in fitness um, and our bodies and yoga. And I'll start off um, by saying that I started running about 13 years ago after I had a baby to lose the baby weight. And I did a couple of races and then started working for um, a gentleman at Sam's Club who was very into fitness. And that's where I really got into and had been lifting, but really got into lifting then and continuing to run. And then it just sort of evolved from there uh, to the point that I left my corporate job became a personal trainer and yoga instructor because I really wanted to impact people and their health one-on-one. So I've always been a more aggressive type of person, type A, Pitta, um, in the Ayurvedic spectrum. So I always gravitate to hot yoga, to running races and, and you know heavy lifting. Um, so I don't do a lot of the restorative stuff, <laughs> uh, but my my weight's always pre- like I'm I'm a naturally genetically small person, um, and my but my weight has fluctuated and um, from you know gaining weight training for a marathon, um, gaining weight when I got pregnant with my second child where I had the expectation because I was so active that I wasn't going to gain that much weight and I gained the exact same amount fifty pounds. Um, that I did with my second one as I did with my first one where I wasn't active. Um, so now I'm training for an Ironman and my body is much smaller, but it's been very interesting, the comments that I get. Uh, so that's a brief telling of my fitness journey um, to where I started to where I am today. And I'm going to pass it over to Julie to kind of give us a little brief synopsis of her own fitness journey. Well, um, being the oldest person here, um, I will start off by saying that um, I feel like that I've always been interested in health and fitness, like it's something that's just naturally in me. Um, But I did grow up um, in an environment where appearance and um, body uh, presence was important. It was important to be a small person. It was important to 
um, be little or thin. Um, and I'm not saying anything negative about um, anybody in my life. It's just that I think that was just the time that I grew up in. Um, I, I'm 53 years old, so I was born in 1968. And in the 70s, there were stick models, and you had the twiggy, this, yeah. the twiggy and you had the, the 80s supermodels. I mean, it is just, it is what it is. Um, but I've always been interested in exercise. So if you put those two things together, um, I started exercising at a very young age. I, I used to have aerobics classes in my basement for all the neighborhood ladies, and I would charge them $2 to come over and I'd work them out. I mean, that's just crazy. But I mean, I've always loved it. So I like movement. And then I decided after developing an eating disorder um, and working through all of that, which we'll get into more of that later, but... Um, that I wanted to learn how to help people the right way. So I became a personal trainer and then started working from there, building on um, different parts of my programs that I offered. And one of them included yoga. And then from there, um, you know, life went on and I became um, a mom and we moved and, you know, now we're here and now I'm over 50. and. Part of my message and my journey is the body is always changing and there are things that you cannot stop and aging is one of them. Um, and I like to help people feel empowered in their bodies as they are right now, especially people that are transitioning through menopause because it's such a hard time. Um, there's so much going on that you're not in control of. So my journey is vast. Um, and have been through a lot of different things with my body. I've been extremely thin. I've been um, bigger. I've been smaller. I've been all the things. I've been unhealthy thin. I've been healthy thin. Um, and I think there's just a lot of misinformation out there about what constitutes a healthy human being. And it's not just your physical appearance and what we think is physical. Um, Lynn mentioned um, Instagram, and there's a lot of representation on Instagram, especially in TikTok, where people who are not educated and they are posing pictures of themselves and, and flexing and doing all of these things that don't represent a total healthy picture or a journey. And with that comes a lot of mental health. Um, you have to love yourself. You have to love who you are. It's so important. And it's not tied to your body image. It's not tied to a number on the scale. And that's something that <clears throat> happened to me at a very early age. I think it started when we started having to weigh ourselves in school. I mean, that's so crazy. But I, apparently some states still do that. And I just think that's wild. Um, but, you know, there's just there always has been a lot of emphasis on your worth as a person is tied to your physical appearance. And that's something that um, can be very devastating and can really damage someone. So that's a little bit about my journey. So my journey is a little bit different. I didn't start my fitness journey until my mid-20s. Um, I've struggled with my weight my entire life, been up and down my entire life. Um, but I went to the doctor and he wanted me checked for diabetes and that scared me enough to start watching what I was eating and working out. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. Excuse me. This is way outside my comfort zone. 
Um, but over the next couple years, I lost, I think it was a total of like 140 pounds. And towards the end of it, it was getting, I reached a certain weight and it was getting harder and harder to lose. So I took it to the extreme and started basically not eating. Like if I ate 800 calories in a day, that was a high calorie day. And I started working out even more and even harder and on top of having a physically demanding job. So I got to the point where I quit having a period for two years because I was too malnourished. Um, I don't know where. <laughs> so then what happened after that? I started, actually it was a whole 30 that kind of broke that cycle because it puts the focus on nutrition and sleep before exercise Mm -hmm. and that's kind of when things shifted for me and of course once you start eating you you gain weight but I was still working out I was actually eating and there's kind of a stigma with gaining weight like it's like you failed and you know it's <laughs> so what kind of reaction did you get from other people at my smallest all I would hear is how good I looked and what a beast I was and like I couldn't go to a family get-together without people asking me oh well is there even anything here you can eat and when I started working for a yoga studio, I started getting comments about, oh, well, you must be able to do this or that. And, you know, people making assumptions that I could contort into all kinds of crazy poses just because I worked here. Um, I've had people, since gaining weight, I've had people question whether or not I do practice or if I work out at all. And I do. I've, I've never stopped doing that. I've just shifted my focus from trying to actually take care of my body instead of shrinking it. Yeah. So even though those comments may not have been malicious, how did they make you feel? It kind of made me want to shut down. Like it just didn't feel like a safe space for me. So we've all kind of received comments over the years about our bodies. And Julie, you mentioned being the oldest one of the three of us. So what kind of comments have you received about your age? Oh, um, <laughs> so being, uh, being over 50 and being a person that still works in the fitness industry kind of comes with um, some mixed reviews, um, especially when, when you are teaching a vigorous exercise format. Um, sometimes people will make comments about that they were, uh, they're surprised that my class was as difficult as it was because how old I am. Um, but you know, I know that they probably didn't mean, I, I'm sure it was a compliment. I mean, I, I really do. I really think they were trying to say something nice, but then it was like, well, that's, 
that's one way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, just things like that. And you know, and I think that now that people are living older or living to be older, you have people that are running marathons when they're 80. You have gymnasts that are still competing in the Olympics. Uh, I think there was one this last week that was like 45 and she's still out there competing. So I think a lot of that is is going away, but I know that it, especially in a gym environment or a yoga studio environment, when people walk in the door, there is, I feel, there is a little bit of an expectation um, around, you know, just the first impression of, you know, you walk in and you see a 50 plus woman sitting behind the desk and she's gonna be your yoga instructor and you're thinking, well, this is a hot power flow, you know, how is this gonna go? Um, and then you go in there and you kick their ass and then you, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, that was really good. Uh, but yeah, you know, and it's stuff like that, that I don't think people mean it, like Lynn said, in a malicious way at all. It's just more of a, sometimes we need to be careful with our words. We just need to make sure that we're choosing the right kind of communication when we're giving a compliment. Because I think that's what that person meant when they said that to me. Well, and I think that extends not only to um, all of us. Um, as we come into gym environments, but us as yoga teachers as well, and not emphasizing calorie burn, um, how many calories. I, that would used to be a lot of what I would get asked in some of my more fitness style yoga classes, like Yoga Body Boost, when we used to have Yoga Body Booster Sculpt and Flow, and people would ask, well, how many calories did you burn? And of course, that's all subjective to what your bases and you know how fit you are and and how you know if you're just starting out or not but ultimately um you, you we also have the flip side of it so I'm training for an Ironman right now and that's a lot of intense like up to 12 hours of training every week I'm also going through some very intense personal stuff so I've lost 10 pounds very quickly and I get a lot of, well, you're just pure muscle now and you're a beast like you did when you were, you know, like doing your extreme dieting, Beth. And um, what I say internally, my internal response, I don't say it out loud, but my internal response is if you knew what was going on, you wouldn't be saying those things. But I know it's not from a malicious place, but it's, it's, it's that pervasive um, and reinforced concept and idea in the fitness industry as a whole that is very focused on aesthetics being the picture of health. Um, when we were prepping for this podcast, we talked about the before and after picture. Beth brought that up, that it's so important, it seems like, for these fitness influencers or personal trainers to have a before and after picture because that's the only way to quantify quote-unquote health in a world that is all visual. Because Instagram, for example, or Facebook is all visual. You can't really quantify, hey, my sleep is better. I mean, I guess maybe you can now with these watches that track your sleep <laughs> to show your sleep. No, no, no. <laughs> no one's going to be like, oh, great, you're sleeping better. <laughs> Let me pay you to coach me. <laughs> and I think that there's some really great um, people out there that are bringing um, to light the fact that the shape of your body does not equal health. 
that and you mentioned it julie that you were a thin healthy and an, and a thin not healthy um you know things like losing your period not sleeping very well uh, like me i was waking up at 2 a.m just starving but i wouldn't get up to eat because i was so tired i just lay there and not sleep and be hungry which was dumb um, and I wasn't doing it on purpose, um, but that was just where I was at stress-wise, training-wise, and that was an unhealthy thin. Um, so I think there's a lot that's being, uh, the movement that's going on right now is understanding that bigger bodies, which the average American woman is a size 16, which, I mean, what do sizes really matter anyway? Because like the fashion industry, right. every single brand, a two in one brand is going to be different in another brand and another brand and another brand. So I have everything from a six to a 12 in my closet and they all fit. They all fit, <laughs> exactly. So. So, but if we have an average, you know, American woman being a size 16 and regardless of what that says about the standard American diet or anything like that, but why would we look at a single picture or a single definition of what a healthy body looks like and say that's health? When we talked about Lizzo being one of the the biggest proponents and and advocates of um, trying to eradicate fat shaming because you see what she does on stage with her performances. She works out so much. She eats vegan and vegan's not healthy for everyone, but for her it's, it's healthy and she enjoys and loves her body. But we've been so conditioned to hate our bodies, especially women, if it doesn't fit in a certain category. Um, I also posted something on Instagram about... Um, a woman who said that she only got compliments on her body after she had lost so much weight, which just for, yeah, Beth has experienced that too, which only further reinforced her belief that her body was only valuable unless it was thin. Yep. So what can we do differently as yoga teachers and in the yoga industry to quit reinforcing that. It doesn't mean that we can't have challenging classes because challenge is good. Challenge is good for the, the brain. It's, it reinforces resiliency or creates resiliency. But I know one thing that, and I have to track my calories. Like I mentioned, training for an Ironman and not having, you know, having a history of not eating enough. I track my calories to ensure that I am eating enough because I too lost my period for a couple of months and I don't want that to happen again. So I have to make sure that I'm eating enough. But from, so from a perspective of Julie, you also being a yoga teacher and Beth, you not being a yoga teacher, what should yoga teachers do differently in their words, because words matter, as we found out in just discussing what people have said to us. Again, not being malicious. They're not being malicious in what they say, but being purposeful and intentional with our words. From a perspective of a yoga teacher, Julie, what do you think yoga teachers on in a whole, as a whole, could do differently? I think um, inclusion is something that everybody is getting more familiar with and trying really hard to make that environment in their class, um, making, feel, ma making everyone feel um, accessible in a class. Um, and some of it is very easy. Some of it is just 
referring to um, parts of the body in different ways. Um, and also in, the, in encouraging your students when they're in class um, and not necessarily assuming that somebody can't do something because of the way their body is built or their age. Uh, we see this all the time in class. We have we have yogis of all different all different sizes, all all different ages that just have these amazing and beautiful practices, and it's it's because of the time and the dedication that they have to themselves that that that's where they're at, and that's what we try to promote here. Um, and it's also you. It's also trying to make helping people feel good in their body and being in touch with your body, and just using words in class that help you to tap into your energy from a holistic, almost a spiritual aspect, and not so much about you know you've got to hold this plank for sixty seconds. Now, with that being said, you know we do have those fun little classes, and we like to laugh and have a good time and everything, but. I mean, yoga is is about being. It's about connecting your mind and your body and your spirit, and and using that out into the world. And I think that's something that we do here at Yoga Story, where we we try to make that full circle uh, with everyone that comes into the studio. I don't really have much to add to that. I mean, I would agree. The focus just needs to not be on what our bodies look like in the poses. It's the connection, the mind-body connection, instead of what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So next question. Um, So whole health, and I think this is finally something that the, quote, Western world is finally catching up to, is that health is not just calories and food, you know, calories in, calories out, what you put like in your mouth and what you do with your body. All those things are very important because how you nourish your body can help prevent disease and illness. And then what you do with your body can help give you a longer, feel better in your body, a longer, you know, better quality life can even, you know, prolong your life. But there are other like big aspects of that picture, stress reduction, sleep, um, chemical balance, you know, having connection with other people, dopamine, serotonin, um, oxytocin, whatever, is, whatever that one is. But those really important, you know, love chemicals and pain-killing chemicals. Oxytocin is a big, you know, painkiller chemical, not the... Um, What's the Oxycontin is the drug, but this is the one that your brain produces naturally. And the bonding chemical, dopamine, serotonin is the happy chemical. So having things that, that give us those good chemicals and help reduce our stress, sleep. So what to you guys, when do you feel the most healthy? And I'll start off. To me, I feel the most healthy, not when I'm doing 12 hours of exercise a week, when I've slept well. <laughs> if I've had like a solid eight hours and I've and hydrated, those two big big ones for me. Hydrated and slept well, I feel amazing. What about you? Beth? For me, I mean it is fitness related, but it's instead of moving my body to shrink it, it's doing things like lifting that make me feel empowered. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. That feeling that you get when you exercise is super important too. And to kind of piggyback off what you said, Julie, about our words that we use in class is that we want people to feel good about what they're doing and not feel bad about what they're doing. So the intention behind why we're moving our bodies is super important too. So what about you? How, when do you feel the most healthy? When I'm not stressed out. (laughs) Um, Because I have learned, I mean, when you, you know, and I think this is something that, that we can teach our, our kids at a very young age is that you almost have to start with the mental part of your health as a as an overall picture and then move into the body because you can't fix anything if your brain isn't in the right place and you know for so many years I operated completely the opposite and I think a lot of people do I think you think well gosh if I could just lose the 10 pounds everything would be perfect you know or my world would be great or you know what whatever whatever the goal is if I'm not stressed then everything really falls into place. I'm a better employee, I'm a better wife, I'm a better mother, and my ability to exercise at the level that I wanna exercise and take care of myself just naturally falls in line because it feels authentic to me. If I'm trying to force something, that just causes more stress, and then I just don't even wanna do it, I just wanna quit, I just wanna give up. So I think that balancing out your mental health first is always the, the best place to start first. One, you brought up a really good um, point in how we talk to, um, or you said about something about children and, and that mental aspect of health and starting young. Someone asked me the other day, their daughter um, had gotten some comments, young daughter um, had gotten some comments from a family member about their body. And it was another like kid, it wasn't an adult that said it to this other kid. Um, and I sent them some helpful hints that instead of talking to your daughter about the size of her body, mm-hmm. talk to your bo- daughter about how she can use her body. Yep. Um, and I saw this on, again, and Instagram can be a really great place, resource Absolutely. for people who are trying to fight against um, the um, body image issue that we're having. But your body is an instrument, not an ornament. So to talk to children about how strong their body is, or you can use your body to climb a mountain, you can use your body to run a race, you can use your body to relax, and the things that they can do with their body as a tool, not as an ornament, I think is a super important way to build a good, healthy relationship in children with their bodies, but I mean, heck, we need to know that as adults too, because yeah. for years, especially those of us that are over the age of 25, I would say, oh, yeah. we've grown up with your body is an ornament, not an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so flipping that script and your body is an instrument, not an ornament is really, really important. But. Yes, that there and therapy. Yes, therapy is a wonderful tool. I found that even at my smallest, you know, for the longest time, because I was overweight my whole life and got comments like every day in school and from friends and family and everyone, it felt like um, I thought, oh, if I could just lose weight, then I'll be accepted. And when I got to my smallest, it's like, oh, I've, I've made it, but I. St- 
still had all those internal issues. Mm-hmm. You're still the same person on it's, the inside. Yeah. yeah, it's all still the same, whether I'm a size four or a size eight or 24. I've been every size in between there, honestly. But, you know, that feeling was always the same. So I'm going to therapy now to focus on my mental health first mm-hmm. and actually deal with those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's really something that those of us that are working in the or that work with bodies is extremely important for us to focus on to help change that landscape and help change how people love themselves. Um, that's super important because it impacts so many other things. So there you have it, everybody. Your body is an instrument, not an ornament, and it's supposed to change. It is not supposed to stay the same your entire life. (laughs) Love it. It's a wonderful vehicle, but that's all it is, is a vehicle for your spirit. And we thank you guys for joining us today. If you have any suggestions on future topics for our podcast, please uh, email us at grow dot yoga story at gmail.com if you're interested in in-person classes we do have those in the studio we also have a virtual platform through zoom and through our archives on our website which is yogastory.info thank you so much for joining us this is lynn from yoga story saying love your body Bye.